Kevin and Lizzie chat about life, season two. Hey everybody, we are back with a new episode. This is the Kevin and Lizzie Chat About Life podcast. My name is Kevin. I'm here with my co-host Lizzie. Lizzie, what's up? Hey everybody. We were on a little hiatus, took a couple weeks off. Not intentionally, but we had some busy Sundays and we prioritized spending time with friends over getting a podcast out to you. So here we are back in business and we're happy to be with you. Yeah. And that's sort of a nice segue into what our topic will be about today, but we'll we'll bring it that in a little bit later as our dogs come to greet us downstairs. Co-host number three has made an appearance. Jacob Jacobson Esquire is here. Jake is ready here. to make a ruling. Anywho, we're gonna segue into that hiatus that we talked about and prioritizing time with friends. But first, what have you been up to, Lizzie? Well, we wanted to mention that Ted Lasso is back. Season two of Ted Lasso started. We are two episodes in. Yeah, and it's releasing one episode a week, which is kind of taking us back to our pre-streaming TV watching days. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I do too, where you had to watch an episode and wait a whole week till the next one came out. Yeah, it keeps me looking forward to something. And this season, they brought in a psychotherapist, psychologist, British lady. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, you should check it out and also go back and listen to our podcast about a specific Ted Lasso episode. Yeah. So Ted Lasso's back. What else is going on, Lizzie? I've been enjoying the end of my summer. August is here. This is August 1st that we're recording this. It's, hey, t- August. it's time to go back to school. One of the best months of the year. Um, because that means football's back. I soon. know most of our but listeners, we have a pretty teacher-friendly audience, but if we don't, don't send me hate mail about having the summer off. I have enjoyed it. My teacher friends also enjoy it, and you know what? We need it. Yeah, and the thing that I always say when people give teachers a hard time about having summers off is you could have been a teacher. That's right. Like, you could have done it. And at the beginning of the summer... Um, a teacher colleague said that they were going to, well, co-host number four has interrupted my flow. His name is Dr. Smiles, but he's not doing a whole lot of smiling right now. <laughs> Mr. Tai Tai is here, ready to interrupt. And he is disgruntled. Who knows why? We don't know. Lack of attention. But, yeah, anywho, he's gotten tons of attention today, but I'll I'll simmer down a little bit. That one of my teacher colleagues said that they were going to rest without apology this summer. We taught through a pandemic last year, but we don't need a reason to rest. And we don't need to apologize for having the summers off. And I I really liked that sentiment because it I think it's important for teachers to take advantage of the time off that our profession offers us. Because the school year is pretty intense. Yeah. And if you have time off and you're not a teacher, you should rest without apology. Absolutely. That's, uh, this applies to everybody, not just teachers. Yeah. Take your work email off your phone. We're going to be talking about that too. So as part of my resting without apology, I decided to take a social media hiatus. And some people may not see that as rest per se, but my social media is very much 
entwined with my profession. I'm on at least a dozen teacher Facebook groups where we discuss lessons and pedagogy and ideas and technology. And on Twitter, most of my Twitter is pretty much professional. I follow teachers, educators, schools, and it's just hard for me to get on social media without seeing something about school. So if, if part of my mantra this summer was to disconnect and to rest, then I felt I needed to step away. And so for the past six weeks, I have been on a social media hiatus. I have not gotten on Facebook. I've not gotten on Twitter. I have Instagram. I don't use it. Haven't gotten on Instagram. Until today, August 1st, I decided since I'm going back to school, I can get back on social media. I did jump on Facebook on my birthday. I figured, I guess this sounds a little egotistical, but I figured people would be reaching out to me on my birthday. That's not egotistical. I mean, that's it's, what that's happens. That's normal, right? Yeah. And so I did want to acknowledge that. So I did hop on Facebook uh, back on my birthday, but I re-engaged in my hiatus because I, f- I found it valuable to me. I, I enjoyed not being 100% connected, not just to school things, but to the world, to politics, to just general goings-on. I, I miss updates from friends, but the most important people in my life, I don't get their updates through social media anyway. Yeah. But I do, you know, I, I, I miss the shared joy. I think that's a positive thing of social media where people are sharing their joy and and their what social media is that accomplishments I'd like, to, I'd like to join that social media where people are sharing joy that happens on my facebook feed there's a lot of people that share happy news and happy things oh that's good yeah so i was about to say because i like to watch the browns games with twitter open and even if the browns are winning by 30 points it's all negative well Browns fans for you. <laughs> <laughs> they always think the end of the world is happening, right? No, Super Bowl this year, right? Uh, don't. It's the hope that kills you. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a football fan, so <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, that I kind of took on the Kevin role of rambling there. But part of my boundary setting this summer was to step away from social media. And that kind of leads us into uh, what we wanted to talk about because we were discussing, you know, what has happened, what's what's a topic that we could come to, and Kevin has also taken a break from social media, so we thought about boundary setting. Yeah, I took a break because I realized that the people I communicate with most are people that text and call. And so what was I doing on social media anyway, other than interacting with negativity? Even though on Twitter, I muted over a hundred words, the negativity still popped through. Um, so yeah, I just like, you know what? The people that matter most, I'm not connecting with on social media anyway. I'm connecting with them in real life. So I'm going to focus on that. Right. And we were also with the podcast squad last night. And one of our podcast squad members was talking about a coworker feeling overwhelmed. And we thought, you know what, boundaries would be a good topic to kind of go in because I think sometimes we feel overwhelmed when we have very porous boundaries and we may not even realize it. And boundary setting is a topic that everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, our our podcast focuses on mental health, 
and sometimes we may talk about things that people aren't struggling with, but in order to lead a happy, healthy, productive life, you have to have boundaries. Right. And you have to be able to communicate those boundaries to others because it's not up to others to set our boundaries for us. It's up to us to set our boundaries and to communicate that to others. That's something that we are directly in control of. And that can be telling others what our limitations are. For example, hey, I can give you two hours today towards that project you want to work on. That's a very healthy thing to say. And you're putting that limit out there. This is my limitation. Yeah. Boundaries are essentially a form of self-care. And you know that on this podcast, we we preach self-care. We think self-care is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk about boundaries in the sense of boundaries with others. For sure. And also boundaries within ourselves. Yeah. So my social media hiatus, when I decided I didn't want to be inundated with things related to school during this time of rest for me, that was an internal boundary. That was a boundary I set with myself. Yeah. Internal boundaries is something people often, when I bring it up in groups, haven't heard of before. So I'm glad you're talking about it because having a sense of internal boundaries gives us a greater sense of control over our life. And that was a great example of you implementing an internal boundary. Yeah. And I did feel empowered and in control that I wasn't mindlessly or sometimes not, you know, sometimes actively getting this influx of information constantly about things that at this point in time I didn't want to be seeing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, setting a boundary doesn't have to be complete elimination. So now as I move into, you know, reinstating myself on social media, I'm going to set boundaries around time limits about when I get on, how long I'm getting on and also not using it in the evening because once again, I'm leaving school, I get on social media and I'm still seeing school things. Right. Now, I could curate my social media so as not to see those those professional development things, but that's what I find most useful. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy connecting with teachers and getting ideas. Um, it's really good professional development for me, but I did realize I don't need that at all hours of my day. Right. Yeah, in the evenings especially, you're not there to be thinking, still thinking about work. And that's sort of when I just a couple of minutes ago, it said delete your work email off your phone. If you have that ability to do that, you know, for whatever your job is, unless you are the emergency prov- provider for like a major malfunction at the building you work at or whatever, like you don't need to respond to an email at 9 p.m. at night when you're not at work and it can easily be dealt with when you're at work the next day. Right, and... We're not here to tell you that boundary setting is easy because if you're somebody that does check their work email at night and and people do expect an answer from you right away, it's, it's hard sometimes for you to, to set that boundary with yourself and with others to change that expectation. Right. If I've been responding to text, phone calls, emails at eight o'clock at night about work and I start not doing that, people are going to push against that boundary. So when I'm looking to put in a new boundary where none existed prior, it's good to know that people are going to test that. They will try to test that. And one of the things that comes up 
often is if I put in a boundary and I say, hey, I can give you two hours for this project today, I have a friend that will say, why? And it's not up to us to justify. Okay. Dog decided to interject there. He was like, hey, I want to know why too. But yes, especially people that struggle with boundaries themselves will try to push our boundaries when we put one in. Yeah, and I don't think... I guess depends on the person, but I don't think it's always intentional. No. It's just if there has been no boundary, then it would be natural for me to just maintain that expectation. Yeah. That you're always available. Yeah. And when I was doing this group earlier this week on boundaries, one of my clients brought up about um, coworkers that gossip and how every day at lunch, there's just all this negativity and they're around this gossip. And I, was like, are you looking for feedback? Do you are you just venting? She's like, no, no, I want some feedback. And I'm like, well, do you have to eat lunch at the same place or office or room or table as they do? And she's like, no. And I'm like, well, you can choose to eat your lunch someplace else in the building. And for her, that was like a revelation because sometimes when we're in so deep with not having those boundaries and we feel so out of control and so overwhelmed, it's hard sometimes to see maybe the simple options like, yeah, you know what, on my lunch hour, I could go somewhere else and disengage from work. I don't want to sit at the same table with others and gossip about work when I'm supposed to be taking a break. Right. And there again, that's for some people that might be an easy boundary to implement. And for others, they might think, oh, well, I don't want to, I don't want to make my coworkers think that I don't want to eat with them. You know, there's a lot of internal dialogue that could go on that would make that boundary difficult for some people. Yeah. I've done that boundary that just what we're talking about before. And I've in an easy way to kind of put that in is to say something that you want to do. So I'll say sometimes like, Hey, I'm going to go uh, eat in my car or I'm going to go eat in this other office because during lunch I want to watch this specific thing on YouTube or I want to read the next chapter of my book or, you know, when you make it about like what you want to do, you know, it's easier sometimes to convey that message. Right. When I was in grad school, I had to implement that boundary and use my lunch hour. Well, we don't get an hour in school, but use my lunch half hour to read for grad school. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had so much reading and it and it was a time where everybody was eating together. You know, sometimes you share a lunch period with your friends at school and sometimes you don't. Um, and that year I had a big lunch group and I just had to remove myself and go sit alone and read. Yeah. And that thought about, you know, I don't want them to think I'm being rude or whatever. We also talked about that with boundary setting because we also can't kind of, we can't, what's the word I'm trying to, I just lost it. Lizzie, I was right there and I lost it. We, we can't tell others what to think about us. They'll think whatever they want about us we can do things to try to influence that like be nice and right and we mentioned that in another podcast that yeah we're not in charge of other people's feelings yeah and if your group is sitting around gossiping and you're not there i mean they're probably going to keep gossiping now you might be the focus of it (laughs) who's to say but you can't control that you can only control yourself and it's up to you to tell others where your limitations are i was talking with a friend last evening about taking maybe a step back from working five days a week to four days a week or something to that effect. And, you know, if you're in a situation where you need to tell your employer, like, I need to step back for a little bit and they start pushing on that, 
you know, it's up to you to determine what your limitations are. Don't let your employer try to determine what your limitations are because they're not having your best interest at heart. Right. They have their best interest at heart. Yeah. And so if you're like, hey, I need to step back from this job for a little bit. I don't need to justify it. I I can say, hey, you know what? I like this job. I give it my all. And I also need a break. Right. So something important to consider when you're looking to set boundaries is to define what is most important to you. What are your values? Yeah. Boundaries are created around our values. And when we talked about this podcast hiatus, it's because we put a boundary around spending time with friends. Right. And we also put a boundary around our evening time during the week. It It's just really hard for us to find time when you get home from work to record a podcast. And so instead of sacrificing other things that we wanted to do during the week, since Sundays were busy with friends and we wanted to prioritize that and we didn't want to overburden ourselves during the week, we decided to take a couple weeks off. Yeah. Step back. We are in charge of what burdens we take on. Right. For sure. And one of my boundaries, and, you know, I've conveyed this to Liz because it's important, like as we said earlier, to tell others what your boundaries are. Every evening, I need an hour of Kevin time to decompress from my stressful workday. So even if I've got something pressing like wanting to get a podcast out because we've been on hiatus, the bigger value is my self-care so that I can continue doing my job. So I have to take that hour every night, usually between like eight and nine, for just some relaxed time, de-stress from the day. Right. It's up to us to decide what are we not going to compromise on. Yeah. And those are the boundaries we need to set. Yeah. You know, if if I go around saying yes to every request someone makes of me because I'm maybe... Maybe I'm trying to people please a little bit too much. I'm going to feel overwhelmed, overburdened, and not in very much control. And my cup is going to be really full. Yes. To go back to an analogy from season one. Yeah, we're in charge of emptying our cup, and we're in charge of what we engage with. And boundaries, healthy boundaries, can help us empty our cups. So, for example, you have a boundary around Kevin time. Yeah. That's a way for you to empty your cup so you're ready for the next day. Yeah, absolutely. I have a boundary around sticking to my running plan because mm-hmm. I'm training for a 10K, you know, and that's really important to me to make sure that I get my runs in on the days that I have them scheduled. Yeah, we have a boundary around giving our dogs a that word that starts with a W and sounds like talk. And we cannot say it because they're in our presence right now. Yeah, but we put a boundary that even if it's cold and snowy or, you know, just rained or whatever, like we're going to put in that time because it's important to us. And when you were talking about internal boundaries earlier, and I just recently said about what you engage with, it's good to know that when you have thoughts, you don't always have to engage with them. You can put an internal boundary about around what you choose to think about. You know, sometimes when someone's experienced trauma or they're going through something mental health related, our our brain likes to try to hijack us with all these thoughts that are, you know, might make us upset or might not be relevant or we might be realizing those thoughts are very intrusive and we can't focus. We have a, we can put a boundary up around that and say, okay, I'm noticing I'm having this thought, but I'm choosing not to engage with it. 
And that's a very important internal boundary to put in. And that's, once again, not easy. Not easy. I've been working with the app Headspace. And if you are an educator, you can get Headspace for free for life. So look into that. It's been very valuable to me to practice mindfulness and meditation. um, And I get a daily Headspace notification on my phone. Phone notifications. That's another thing that I want to talk about in a, yeah. in, a in a minute. Yeah. Um, that reminds me to be present, to be in the moment, and it. A lot of times they'll send notifications about thoughts. Just because we have a thought doesn't make it true. Right. Just because we have a thought doesn't mean we have to engage with it and mm-hmm. let it control us. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a skill. That's a muscle that needs worked. Right. And that's also a boundary. Like putting a boundary, like I'm not going to let my brain hijack me with these thoughts of self-pity or low self-esteem or or what have you. Right. So when you're identifying or deciding what boundaries you need to implement, identify areas of your life that need structure or limits, Mm -hmm. you know, and so maybe engaging with those unhealthy thoughts is something that you need um, a limit on because boundaries promote a sense of autonomy and they, they help us feel in control. Yeah. And I would probably wager to guess a lot of our listeners might feel overwhelmed or out of control right now. And boundaries is usually the place or the starting point that I point clients to when they're feeling that way. Mm -hmm. So think about things in your life that you could start and, and you don't want to try to tackle everything at once because that will feel overwhelming as with any advice we give start small. So you could put boundaries around your time like Kevin was saying, that Kevin needs Kevin time. Put boundaries around when you engage with work. Boundaries around social media. Yeah, there's. I've been reading all kinds of news articles over the past few years that millennials millennials are really struggling with, you know, taking a day off work for mental health or for illness, and they're still checking work email, or still thinking about work and right. allowing their brain to think about work. Um, boundaries around spending how much screen time you have, mm-hmm. you know, the the emotions that we engage with. Yep. Boundaries. Did you say boundaries around time? Because that one's so important. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's one of the best places to start. Yeah. If you're feeling overwhelmed, is to start thinking about where are my boundaries blurred with my time? Yeah. And I will tell you just an example from my, per, from my own professional life. If, when I get calls at work frequently from my clients and if I don't start the phone call with, all right, I've got 10 minutes, I'm going to be on the phone for an hour just because I'm compassionate and I want to, you know, try to do whatever I can through the phone to help someone. But by doing that, then I'm not completing paperwork. I'm not doing treatment plan updates. I'm not planning fun and engaging in instructional groups. I'm just, reacting to all these different phone calls. So it's really important for me that whenever I take a phone call at work or someone stops in my office at work and says, hey, can I chat? Can I talk to you? Like even if my boss were to stop in and just stop right by my desk and be like, hey, you got a minute. I would say I've got five minutes and then I've got this thing I've been working on. That's a really good place to start. Right. Uh, I wanted to go circle back to phone notifications. Yeah, let's do it. When we're talking, if you have an iPhone, and I don't know about Androids, but uh, if you have an iPhone, you have a lot of control over 
how much time you allow yourself on certain apps, the little red bubbles that you see when you open your phone and you see, oh, I have 130 unread emails or I have five Facebook notifications. You have control over those. You can turn those off so that when you get on your phone to do something, you're not immediately distracted by those um, red notifications in the corner. Mm -hmm. You also have control over the the kind of notifications you receive. So when I took my social media hiatus, I removed the apps from my home screen. I didn't take them off my phone because um, I didn't want to go through the process of deleting and then reinstalling. But I moved them to a second screen in a folder and I turned off notifications. So even though there was activity happening, I got no notice of any of that. Because even if you don't have an intention of getting on a certain app, if you pick up your phone and see a notification, chances are you're going to check it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've cultivated the type of uh, relationship with the social media accounts that nobody else is freaking out that you're not responding to their notification. Right. If it's and like that's a another thing, thing I was thinking of as far as always being available. Yeah. Um, we, we can set that boundary with friends and family too. It doesn't just have to be working. We email. tell them where our limit is. And sometimes I'll text, I'll even text Liz. If I need to really focus on something, I'm going to turn my phone off. It's, I can't focus if I've got my phone sitting there. So for me, sometimes I'm like, Hey, I'm going to turn my phone off for two hours. If you need me, call my office work or call me at work on right. like the and landline phone. And that thought phone. of turning the phone off is scary for some people. It is. It is. But tell your friends, tell your families like, hey, I'm going to be um, at work. And when I'm at work, I'm not going to be responding on social media. So just keep that in mind. Right. So just I'm just bringing these things up for you to think about because they've been very helpful to me to have control over what I engage in when I pick up my phone instead of the other way around. Yeah. And th I really liked how you said earlier about what information you're allowing in because a lot of times when we take a break at work because we need to take breaks at work, as soon as we are on break, we pick up our phone and we start absorbing information. Right. Information overload is a thing. It, and we need to, our mind needs rest. Rest is the catalyst for productivity. So if I'm resting so that... I can be refreshed for the next period of work. I need to not pick up my phone and engage with it. I need to do something that kind of give my brain that rest. Do something mindful yeah. instead of mindless. Because I think in those moments of inactivity, we have trained ourselves to need to be active mm -hmm. in a way that we are just mindlessly taking in information that, you know. And have you found yourself five minutes later you're scrolling not like not even realizing the time has passed and not you, really getting anything out of it and you can't even tell people what you saw like right. well, what did you see on page? i don't wasn't know valuable. i just was scrolling yeah and my brain was taking in the stimulus or the stimuli whatever and engaging with it so my brain was still working right and we're not allowing ourselves to be idle yeah and what i've noticed in this time that i haven't been on social media is that I'm not reaching for my phone in those moments anymore. I've untrained that. And when I do reach for my phone, I open up the ebook that I have on my Kindle app on my phone. So I'm allowing myself to read more, which is always something I want to do anyway. Mm -hmm. Or I'm opening the news, which I've curated to you know just be Olympics or just be cooking or certain things that I want to be reading about. 
and not politics because at this moment I'm not interested in knowing what's going on in politics. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend text me the other day and say, hey, have you seen what's been going on with the Browns? And I'm like, well, not yet because it's not football season yet. So I put a boundary around that because I realized that in March, April, May, I was engaging with Browns even when like nothing was really happening. I was still taking in all that information and mm-hmm. I w- didn't need to. So for so, me, it was about the Brown stuff. And the big takeaway here is remember that boundaries promote a sense of control. Yeah. And so you... And empowerment. You are feeling empowered. You are feeling in control of what you are consuming. Yes. And it's not up to others to tell us where our boundaries are. It's up to us to tell others where our boundaries are. Did I say that correctly? Right. We're the the ones responsible for communicating our boundaries. Yes. And if someone is a habitual boundaries crosser or boundary overstepper, it's up to us to be a broken record and keep reminding them where that boundary is. And that can be difficult. That mm-hmm. really can be. Yeah. So we've talked about certain things that you can you can choose to have boundaries on, a little bit of introduction on how to implement those boundaries. What happens if I'm not upholding a boundary that I set? What do I do? It would be the same thing as if you're trying to hold up a habit. Notice when you veered off course and then tell yourself, all right, I'm not going to punish myself or judge myself for veering off course. I'm just going to take control of the steering wheel and gently put myself back on the course and keep going. Would you find it helpful to, you know, what if one of our listeners was like, oh, well, I need time boundaries and whoa, I need social media boundaries and I need phone boundaries to write it down or to maybe just start with one thing but and then it becomes automatic and then we move to the next. I know we said start small, but kind of what what's the direction that we should take for when we want to implement boundaries in many different aspects of our life? I would probably tell someone to start with the easiest boundary to do and maybe that boundaries silencing your phone at night instead of leaving it on to get notifications that wake you up, you know, putting it on do not disturb doing something with the phone is probably since they're so ubiquitous, that's probably where it'd be easiest to start. Everybody could find a boundary there that they could start with. Yeah. And it could even be putting my phone in a different room on silent for five minutes just to deal with the fact that that's okay. Mm -hmm. The world didn't fall apart. And if there's an emergency that happened, well, it happened. And it was going to happen anyway. And if you're on the phone, you're not providing CPR anyway. So I, I don't mean to sound crass, but that's sort of the thought we have. Like, if I'm not with my phone, something emergency is going to happen, I'm not going to be able to help. Well, you can't anyway. If you're at your phone, you're not at the scene of the emergency happening. So a phone would be a good place to start, and then we just we just work to flex that muscle um, in other aspects of our life. Yes. Okay. Speaking of missing out, that is, that is a feeling that you, that you have when you take a break from social media. And I'm sure that I have missed out on news or personal events, you know, maybe, maybe tragedies or losses in the life of somebody that, that I know so that is that is a real feeling that eventually you'll find out. And if you didn't find out on social media, somebody will 
will tell you. Yeah, so you're just kind of normalizing that feeling for our audience that we do have that fear associated with the phone. But I think, like I said earlier, the phone's the easiest place to start because it's in our hands all the time. It's at hand, literally, all the time. And it's an important place to start. And I think the next most important place to start is time boundaries. Time boundaries. If it's even, you know, five minutes. Kevin takes an hour of Kevin time, but you know, he has practice instilling boundaries. And if if you are always giving all of your time to other people, maybe start with five minutes. Yeah, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, oh, I wish I could have an hour because I've got kids and right. all this kind you know, of stuff. Everybody's life is different. And also, d- please don't compare yourself to anybody, you know? No, I've, I've got stuff, but I've also said no to a lot of things to keep having that boundary right and and we're not parents we're pet parents so you know it's different it's different for us but everybody can find some chunk of time that fits their lifestyle yes that is absolutely true i've worked with clients that have had eight kids and clients that have had zero kids clients that have worked 60 hour to 80 hour week jobs some that have had part-time jobs like i've worked with so many people and boundaries has always been helpful no matter if it's one minute, two minute, three minute, or hour. Right, and maybe finding that five minutes and instilling that boundary and sticking to it will empower you to find other boundaries or to find other ways in which you can help yourself from this overwhelmed feeling. Yeah. I would almost say let's put a challenge out to the audience. For five minutes, silence your phone and put it in a different room and just go sit and be. Just allow yourself to be. And don't, I shouldn't say don't let, but if you notice your mind is racing or you notice, you know, you have uh, intrusive thoughts, try to practice just letting those go. Yeah, don't try to suppress them. Sometimes people are like, oh, I want to try to stop these yeah, thoughts. Yeah, that's why I said I, I, I changed myself from saying don't let. Let them come, but practice letting them go. Yeah. That's one of the, the principal, what's the word I'm looking for? I would say one of the principal like building blocks or foundation yeah, foundational elements of mindfulness. Yeah, and that's something that I tell clients as well a lot of times is what you want to do is you want to be able to say I notice I'm having a thought and I'm noticing that I'm going to let that thought move on. Go in one ear and out the other basically. It's not trying to suppress them or or stop them. It's just noticing, being aware that all right, yeah, I'm thinking right now and it's okay to be thinking, but I'm going to actively bring myself back to the moment yeah. by not so, suppressing. So if, if that doesn't strike you, you know, silencing your phone and putting it away and practicing five minutes of mindfulness, find some boundary that you feel would be helpful in your life. Yeah. That's our that's our challenge and our thought for the week. Yeah. And I, I wanted to bring up, because we were going to do a podcast about this like a couple weeks ago, but right before we finish, I have something else I want to talk about. So let's wrap this up with boundaries. Okay. So boundaries are wrapping. You really will notice a greater sense of autonomy, a greater sense of control, empowerment, and I think just a a healthier sense of well-being if you learn to instill some boundaries in your life. Yes. Self-boundaries, boundaries within yourself, or boundaries with other people. Yeah. Time, material, there's a there's a bunch Phys- physical boundaries emotional boundaries yeah boundaries with your thoughts all that stuff that we've talked about and even more and a, a simple google search 
will give you hundreds of resources if this is something that you feel like speaks to you and you want to learn more about how to do yeah, it. Yeah, typically, like I said way back at the beginning, that whenever a client, when I ever hear, when I hear the word overwhelmed come out of their mouth I'm immediately, I'm like, all right, let's talk boundaries, what's going on? And I usually find out that the boundaries are pretty porous. There's a lot coming right. through. And don't beat yourself up. No. You know, you need to identify and work to improve. Yeah, that's all we can do. That's all we can do. All right, so that's a wrap on boundaries, and Kevin has something else that he wants to discuss. Yeah, I wanted to discuss this um, a couple weeks ago, but we were taking a little bit of a hiatus. You were traveling, and then we were spending time with friends. But I, I ran into this quite a bit in June in group, and I would not had this kind of happen a whole lot in my counseling career, so I wanted to kind of just talk about it. I experienced a lot of pushback from clients in June who said to me, well, I'm the exception to the rule. And what that concept means is when we're talking about boundary setting, when we're talking about mindfulness, if you're finding yourself saying, yeah, that might work for everybody else, but it won't work for me, I want to tell you, you're just lying to yourself. You're fooling yourself. These things have been researched and studied so long across so many different sample groups. You're doing your you're doing you're doing yourself a disrespect by thinking that you're the exception to the rule. You're not special in that way. And that's hard to say sometimes in a counseling way uh, when you want to be compassionate, but that thought it sometimes stops people from ever trying. Like, okay, yeah, that might work for so-and-so, but I've got this, 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 and this. So it's not, I don't have time. It's not going to work for me. It will, and it does. It just has to be kind of in your style. Right. It's not, a cook, it's not a cookie-cutter situation. Right. The things that we're suggesting or the, the help that you're giving your clients, it needs to be personalized um, and fit that right sorry ty's distracting me yes it needs to be personalized and fit like i said to you and who you are but to just immediately say no i'm different is doing yourself a disservice and i hate to be that bearer of bad news when i tell people like you're not that unique in that these methods won't work like we just have to find what works for you right so let's reframe it you know it's you're not the bearer of bad news. You are inspiring that person to try something that could really change their life. Yeah. And I try to tell them like you're 99.9% more similar to the fellow human than you think. You know, sometimes we use that thought. I'm the exception to the rule to isolate ourselves or put ourselves in a specific box. And all it does is keep us locked in that prison that we put ourselves in. Right. So So, we immediately think, Oh, that won't work for me. Yeah. We're doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah, that's Elsie, uh, my coworker, does a group on self respect versus self disrespect, and that's a disrespecting thought you're having of yourself. And so it wasn't a full podcast idea, but it's something I wanted to work on or talk about. And it's it's just because I had this rash of clients with a certain diagnosis in June um, where that thought kind of creeps in, but I'd not experienced that to that scale before. So I didn't know if something with the pandemic occurred or whatever. So if you're finding yourself having that thought, like you're the exception to the rule and whatever we talk about won't work for you. Well, one, you're probably not listening to the podcast this long anyway, but still 
these methods work for humans, and if you're human, they'll work. It just has to match to your style, your uniqueness. Right, so we always encourage you to take what we've said and make it work for you. Make it work for you, right. Because that's our goal. Our goal is to help you, our listener, each and every one of our listeners, use these tips to lead a happier and healthier life. Yeah, and if you're going to put your phone in the next room for five minutes, you didn't cause something bad to happen by putting your phone in the next room. Okay, but just because you're going to step away from your phone doesn't mean something bad's going to happen. I only bring that minutes. up because that's what I interact with all the time at work is that's that, the feeling. that that anxiety feeling of oh. leaving the and phone in another room. Feeling. Yeah, it's, you know, phone separation. That's yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a real thing. Yeah. So there's people out there, Lizzie, that struggle with that sometimes. Well, and speaking of anxiety, one of the things you said was exposure therapy, and we're not. We're not advocating exposure therapy here because you said do that under the guise of a professional. But this is a mini version. This is a mini version. Yeah, like five minutes. Right? Like you putting your phone in another room didn't cause some catastrophe to happen. We don't have that kind of control over the universe, but it's a good place to start. Right. It's a good place to start. And we're also not insinuating that all of our listeners are addicted to their phones. It's just probably even maybe more than we may think. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would you know, say even if you think, oh, I'm not very addicted to my phone, go into your screen time app, iPhone users, you can do this, and see how many minutes you're spending on what app. See how many times you pick up your phone over the course of a day. Mm-hmm. You can also see after you pick up your phone, what's the first thing you engage with. You can see how many notifications you receive. Mm-hmm. You can have a lot of control over those things once you have the knowledge. Right. Because knowledge is power. It sure is. And knowledge, there was something with G.I. Joe that just rang a bell from my childhood when you said knowledge is power or something. Knowledge is half the battle. Was that a G.I. Joe thing? My brother was a G.I. Joe fan, but not me. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, maybe one of our listeners can let me know. I'm sure a Google search could also reveal that. Yeah, but I want our listeners to engage with us. And how do they do that? Well... That's a good question, Lizzie. They can email us. So the email address will be listed in the show notes. You can also tell us if you are a personal friend. You can tell us you engage with it. You can also go to Apple Reviews and leave a review and tell us what you think. That would help the show yeah, Get a but little don't bit more to, exposure. Don't go to Apple Reviews and give the answer about the G.I. Joes. No, but I'm just... <laughs> just email us at LizKevinDavis at gmail.com. Yeah, so drop us a line. We'll read it in the show or not read it in the show. And you can also find me on a brand new business venture, hobby venture, personal venture called Strategy of Life Gamer. So go to YouTube and type in the Strategy of Life Gamer. And you'll find my YouTube channel where I'll be uploading and posting me playing strategy games and having a lot of fun talking about different strategy games and also maybe dropping some info on strategies for life as well. All right. So that's a wrap for this week. We hope that you'll find something in your life that you can instill a boundary in that will help you um, be happier and healthier. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Bye.